0: Good morning. It is Thursday, November 9th, and you are listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. It's a good day to be together, and uh, well, I'm excited for today. Let's get started with prayer, with our morning offering in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a great day it is. The sun is shining this morning. The fall temperatures are back. We are spending the hour together this morning here on our airwaves. And today we're going to be talking with Father Wade Meniz about a great November topic, the communion of saints. This month, not only do we remember the holy souls in purgatory, but we talk about the communion of saints. And we're going to hear what the catechism has to say about the communion of saints and how we can foster our devotion to them. And it's a topic I love. We also, it's Thursday, so we have Father Skillman with us on the show today to talk about the Redeemer of Man through the writings of St. John Paul II, and we have a little brief inspiration for us from Father Mark Goring, who we heard yesterday as well, and I like Father Goring. I, uh, I, I like what he has to say, and I like the sound of his voice as he says, it. you know. There, there are people I love the sound of their voice, but I don't necessarily like what they have to say, and there are people I love what they have to say, but sometimes their voice isn't the easiest to listen to, and then there's... Someone who has a great thing to say and a great voice. There's actually quite a few someones like that. Those are my favorite. Let's go get a check of the weather here this morning because as beautiful as it is now, I have that feeling it might be the warmest it's going to be for the rest of the day. But I don't know. Mike Roberts does. So let's
1: give a listen. Today is the feast of the dedication of the Lateran Basilica in Rome. Known as Saint John Lateran, the Cathedral of the Most Holy Savior and Saints John the Baptist and John the Evangelist began when Emperor Constantine donated land he'd been given by the wealthy Lateran family. It is the Pope's church, the Cathedral of the Diocese of Rome. The original church was built in the fourth century and after surviving fires, earthquakes, and wars, it was abandoned for much of the 14th century when the papacy moved to France. When Pope Gregory XI moved the papacy back to Rome near the end of the 14th century, the Lateran Basilica was in ruins. After years of design, the current structure was commissioned by Pope Innocent X in 1646. In the 18th century, seven sculptors added the apostles with Saints Simon, Bartholomew, James the Lesser, John, Andrew, and Peter on the south wall and Saints Paul, James the Greater, John, Philip, Matthew, and Jude on the north wall. At the top of the facade are 12 doctors of the church, St. John the Baptist, St. John the Evangelist, and Jesus. St. John the Baptist and St. John the Evangelist, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day.
2: Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts
3: consecration to mary my queen and my mother i give myself entirely to you and to show my devotion to you i consecrate to you this day my eyes my ears my mouth my heart my whole being without reserve wherefore good mother as i am your own keep me guard me as your property and possession amen
0: Once again, we're happy to be joined by Father Wade Menezes here on Roadmap to Heaven in this month of November as we continue to celebrate all of the saints. If you can't pick just one, this is a great month because we're talking about all of the saints, canonized, not canonized, but all in heaven. Father, there's a lot to break open here because there's a lot the church teaches about the communion of saints. That is right.
2: While well, it's often said that November is the month of all holy souls, and that is true, it's also the month of all saints, and we can't forget that. So I like to call November the the month of the three states of the church, right? Uh, <laughs> the members of the church triumphant in heaven, the members of the church suffering in purgatory, also referred to as the members of the church penitent, and then of course, uh, us still living on earth, uh, members of the church militant. and This doctrine of this three-tiered hierarchy is known as the doctrine of the communion of saints. You know, us to them, them for us, us to them, them for us. There's this real communio going on, right? So uh, it's really brought to the fore during this month of of November. And it's interesting that by the phrase communion of saints, quote, unquote, um, we don't mean only the three states of the church and i bring this out in my book catholic essentials listen to this adam in catholic teaching the phrase communion of saints has two closely linked meanings the communion existent in holy things and the communion existent among holy persons and we can read more about this in the catechism of the catholic church numbers 946 through 948 listen to this regarding the first one holy things In regards to holy things, the church refers to the whole communion of spiritual goods within the church founded by Jesus Christ, which are readily made available to her faithful members. These include a communion in the faith, a communion of the seven sacraments, a communion of shared charisms granted by the Holy Spirit for the building up of the church, the body of Christ, the sharing of material goods, and a communion rooted in charity, Among all of these spiritual goods and others, the Eucharist deserves special mention, for it is by the Eucharist, to quote the Second Vatican Council, that the unity of all believers who form one body in Christ is both expressed and brought about. So we have these holy things that that are part of the doctrine of the communion of saints, namely because they feed the members of the church militant still living on earth, To have that strong desire of union with the members of the church triumphant in heaven, eventually eternally, a union that's eternal, the beatific vision, uh, eternal beatitude, uh, heaven for all eternity. But also to drive us now to want to have a communion for the members of the church suffering who can no longer merit for themselves because they've died. And while they can't merit for themselves, we can assist them with our prayers. So, So that's the first part, the communion of holy... Things is part of the doctrine of the communion of saints. And then, in regards to holy persons, the second part of the doctrine of the communion of saints, which we've already said constitutes the three states of the church the church triumphant, the church militant, and the church suffering. In regards to holy persons, the three states of the church comprise the communion of saints the members of the church triumphant in heaven, the members of the church suffering in purgatory, who are assured heaven after their time of purification, and lastly, the members of the church militant on earth who are still living. The catechism states, quote, in the communion of saints, a perennial, perennial, Adam, That says that's a very strong word there. A perennial link of charity exists between the faithful who have already reached their heavenly home. That would be the members of the church triumphant, right? Who have already reached their heavenly home. Those who are expiating their sins in purgatory. That would be the members of the church suffering or the members of the church penitent and those who are still pilgrims on earth. In other words, the ones still living, like you and I, Adam, members of the church militant. This is number 1475 of the catechism. To sum up then, we believe in the communion of all the faithful of Christ, those who are pilgrims on earth still, church militant, the dead who are being purified, the church suffering or the church penitent, and the blessed already in heaven, the church triumphant, all together forming one church. And we believe that in this communion, the merciful love of God and his saints is always attentive to our needs. So there you have it. One doctrine, the communion of saints, with two major parts, the communion of holy things and the communion of holy persons. And in regards to that second one, the communion of holy persons, we have a a three-tiered breakdown of the church triumphant, the church militant, and the church suffering.
0: I often like to think of my first experience at a Major League Soccer event, Father. I don't know if you've ever been to one of these, but there is a whole section if, of if the that's stadium. Not a
2: statement, if, that, if that's not a statement that you are a father to a lot of kids, <laughs> when you got to use the, a soccer metaphor, I mean, come on. That totally gives it away. I don't even have to ask you if you're a dad.
0: The domestica <laughs> ecclesia in action, friends. But you, know, you, you go and there's this whole section of the stadium where the cheering is... Is beyond belief, and the work of the players is to play the game. That's not the work of those in the stands, uh, but right. they they play that game, and those in the stands cheer. And I, I like to think that's what in in one way what the Saints are doing for us. Every time we're confronted with that decision to either choose holiness or to give in to temptation, they're cheering us on, and not just uh, metaphorically, but actually interceding for us if we ask them pray that God would give me the grace. To choose his will and not this temptation, and uh, I, I use that soccer analogy because if you've been to a professional soccer game, you know the cheering is on a different level than any other professional sport.
2: Yeah, it is great, and it, you know, and it builds you up, right? When you're there and you're witnessing that, you're part of it. You're, you're, you know, it kind of gets the adrenaline running. Well, this is the same thing with the communion of saints. You know, there's a great quote by Saint Jose Maria Scriba, the founder of Opus Dei which he founded for laity. It wasn't only until years later that clerics were permitted to join Opus Dei to support those laity. But remember, Jose Maria, St. Jose Maria, founded Opus Dei, Work of God, specifically for laity at first. And it was to help them sanctify their day, uh, their work with their family life, their individual spiritual life, and vice versa, so that the whole day becomes sanctified through faithfulness to daily duty. But there's a great quote that he gives us Adam, that that really echoes what you just used with your example of a soccer game. Listen to this. The communion of saints, he says, how shall I explain it to you? Well, you know what blood transfusions can do for the body? Well, that's exactly what the communion of saints does for the soul. That's pretty powerful, pretty powerful.
0: We're gonna take a break here. There'll be more with Father Wade Menezes when we come back after this. Here's Ed Cash with Uncloudy Day.
3: Act of Faith O oh my God, I firmly believe that Thou art one God and three divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe that Thy divine Son became man and died for our sins, and that He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe these and all the truths which the Holy Catholic Church teaches, because Thou hast revealed them, who canst neither deceive nor be deceived. Amen. We're
0: talking with Father Wade Meneses of the Fathers of Mercy this morning about the communion of saints and we uh, went to the break with a beautiful quote from Saint Jose Maria Escrivá. Let's pick up with that quote one more time.
2: The communion of saints, how shall I explain it to you? Well, you know what blood transfusions can do for the body? Well, that's exactly what the communion of saints does for the soul. And remember too, every Sunday at mass when we pray the Apostles' Creed, right, we say in unison, in congregation, that we believe in the communion of saints, right? That's part of the Nicene Creed. We believe in the communion of saints. I like to remind my listeners that the beautiful Nicene Creed that comes to us from 325 AD, the Council of Nicaea, depending on how you break up all the truths found in the Creed, there's really some... 45 plus truths in the Nicene Creed. And that's one of them, is that I believe in the communion of saints. And I think that's very, very important to remember. And then, of course, Ephesians 4, verses 15 through 16, listen to this. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ "...from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every joint and which it is supplied, when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth and upbuilds itself in love." And so there's that perennial charity again that the Catechism talks about when it talks about the communion of holy things and the communion of holy persons that together make up this one doctrine of the communion of saints there's that love again that perennial charity that's made possible through the use of the holy things that builds up the three-tiered hierarchy of the community of persons the members of the church triumphant the members of the church militant and the members of the church suffering or, or the members of the church penitent and so this is a beautiful doctrine that uh, gives us hope it gives us really the the, the theological virtue of hope Um, along with faith and charity, but it gives us hope that what awaits us is real, and that we can have a real communio, or Latin for communion, a real communio right now with the saints in heaven, uh, the triumphant members, uh, also with the the church suffering who can't merit for themselves because they've passed. Uh, That time of meriting for themselves is now Uh, not available to them. And so we can really aid them. We can really support them to get to heaven more quickly. And uh, here's another point. We want to pray for the holy souls in purgatory while they're in purgatory, sure enough, not only to alleviate their current suffering, but to get them to heaven more quickly. And thirdly, once they are in heaven, they remember that we prayed for them while they were in purgatory. So you will have more intercessors in the church triumphant who were priorly members of the church suffering, because they will know that
0: you prayed for them, and that's important to remember as well. If Father Wade Menezes were on the show—oh, wait, he is. He, I, I'm, I'm surprised you haven't said, Father, something that I quote you often on, that just as we are the contemporaries in our times, the saints were the contemporaries in their times, and so while their yeah. times may have been different, they lived that life of holiness, and we are called to imitate their example— in our times and live that life of holiness. To paraphrase Father Wade Menezes.
2: And you did a pretty darn good job, I might add. What I say is the saints lived in the modern world of their time, just as we live in the modern world of our time. If they did it, we can do it. And what do I mean by if they did it, quote unquote, if they live to a degree of heroic virtue, at least by the time they died, they were known for their heroic virtue by the time they died. They may not have always have been saintly, right? Augustine with his lust, Padre Pio with his unjust anger, uh, Teresa Vavla with her controlling tendencies, very much a controller. But God used these these things to bring them to greater holiness right despite these faux pas but the fact is they they at some point reached a degree of heroic virtue so if they did it we can do it the saints lived in the modern world of their time just as we live in the modern world of our time if they did it we can do it and that that's something that literally cannot be lost sight of because again it gives us great great hope
0: Well, Father, this has been wonderful as always, and it's a great reminder for us that we need to be asking for the intercession of all of the saints. And there's a pretty easy way to do that in our daily prayers. I mean, even if we listed every canonized saint in the history of the Church, I I like to think that that would pale in comparison to the number of souls in heaven. I like to think that. I don't know. I, I won't know until, God willing, I get there. But it's as easy as at the end of our prayers when we say, you know, for instance, St. Joseph, terror of demons pray for us, all holy men and women saints of God, pray for us. It's an effective prayer, and it, it's a message I'm glad you shared with us today, the power of the communion of the saints.
2: Yeah, and, and your phrase that you just used uh, as a prayer to remember all the ones that are in heaven— all holy men and women of God. That's actually a phrase said at the end, or chanted at the end of the Communion of Saints, because there's those in heaven that we don't know that aren't formally canonized, right? So we know for a fact, a basic historical fact, that there's eight to ten thousand formally canonized saints on the Catholic Church's saintly roster. The mar- what's called the martyrology, even though they're not only martyrs per se means the the whole list of canonized saints. Why do I say 8 to 10,000? Why why is there a leeway there of about 2,000? Well, because the earliest canonizations uh were done by proclamation of the people, still subject to the church's approval, but there was no formal process till about 1100 AD, right? So uh, they were done regionally by the bishop they were subjected to the church's authority, which the church would eventually give. So from, for example, some of the earliest saints that have no formal canonization process, we have St. Philomena, we have St. Christopher, right? But the fact is we still invoke them and they are on the church's martyrology, right? So we know for a fact, historically, there's about eight to 10,000 canonized saints. Now, I don't know about you, Adam, but I have the virtue of hope that there's more than 8 to 10,000 souls in heaven. I have great hope that there's more than 8 to 10,000 souls in heaven. I like to think that the non-canonized in heaven actually outnumber the canonized in heaven. And I think that's something that that we need to have the virtue of hope about because in the 2,000 year history of the church we know for a fact again that there's 8 to 10,000 canonized saints. Uh, and we have the virtue of hope that there's more than that amount of souls in heaven. So yeah, you make a great point. And again, it's it's not just the month of the Holy Souls. It begins with All Saints on November 1st. It begins with uh, All Souls on November 2nd. And uh, we we the members of the Church Militant have communion with both of those other two states of the Church: the the Church Triumphant and the Church Suffering. And we can't lose sight of that. So you know, Holy Mother Church just unfurls all these beautiful doctrines before us. And it's up to us to uh, know these doctrines, share these doctrines, love these doctrines, know these doctrines, and and to share this great news with others.
0: Indeed it is, Father. Before I I send it back to you for prayer to close out our time together, I just want to mention this. One of the favorite titles we have in the Martyrology of mine— and companions. And I always think of that, that the, the importance of having good, holy friends and family here on this earthly pilgrimage, because right. if I end up canonized the a saint, I'm not really going to squabble if it's St. Adam Wright or St. Father Wade Menezes and companions if I'm numbered among the companions. That that would be just okay with me. I would happily yeah. say, thank you, Lord. That I, I'll take it, you know, because it would mean heaven. Father, could you close us out with a prayer to wrap up our time Thanks. together? I certainly can, Adam, you bet! May the blessing of Almighty
2: God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our roadmap to heaven, listeners, and remain with each and every one of you this day and always, Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us, and all holy men and women of God,
0: pray for us. If you'd like to hear more from Father Wade, be sure to tune in to Open Line Tuesday on EWTN, 2 o'clock on Covenant Network. You can find your station, for those watching on YouTube, at OurCatholicRadio.org, or just type in Open Line Tuesday. You can even watch it on YouTube as well. Father Wade, until next time, it has been a pleasure.
2: Thank you, Adam. God bless you. Have a great day.
3: A prayer for priests. Oh, my God. Help those priests who are faithful to remain faithful. To those who are falling, stretch forth your divine hand, that they may grasp it as their support. In the great ocean of your mercy, lift those poor unfortunate ones who have fallen, that being engulfed therein, they may receive the grace to return to your great loving heart. Amen. Precious blood of Jesus, protect them.
0: Up until this point, every time we've gotten together with Father David Skillman to talk about the Redeemer of Man, Redemptoris is the first encyclical of St. John Paul II, we've been taking a look back because, as they say, you have to know where you're coming from sometimes to know where you are going. And it'd be very easy to say, well, the Redeemer of Man. There's not much to unpack there when quite the opposite is true. Even just that word Redeemer or going back to its root, redemption, there is a mystery within that that we need to open up and uh, I don't know about you I'm not the best to do that but we're happy to have Father David Skillman with us again this week to have an aide walking us through what St. John Paul II would say about this as well
4: that's right so we're moving into the second part of the encyclical which is called the mystery of the redemption so uh, that word mystery is a rich one in in the Christian the Catholic tradition it's not a puzzle to be solved. It's really this invitation to marvel at truths that are beyond our capacity to fully exhaust or, or comprehend. And so this second section is this this turn now, having reflected upon our inheritance. John Paul II now asks the question, how in what manner should we continue? So this is where we have come from. How do we move forward now as I take up my new role as the, the universal shepherd of, of the church? And he answers his own question with these words. Our response must be, our spirit is set in one direction. The only direction for our intellect, will, and heart is towards Christ, our Redeemer, towards Christ, the Redeemer of man, adding that there is salvation in no one else but him. And so this whole section... Before he starts to lay out kind of where, where actually are we going to go, let's go back to our most fundamental point of our kind of our anchor point for the whole life of the church, which is the person of Jesus Christ. And so this first paragraph in this section of the encyclical is titled Within the Mystery of Christ. And he gives us a, a string of biblical quotes from St. John's Gospel and St. Paul's letters emphasizing this point he's backing up what he's saying here which is that christ is the center Um, he has to be the place where we are rooted as we move forward and so he says the church does not cease to listen to his words she rereads them continually with the greatest devotion she reconstructs every detail of his life as i read that i thought to myself how is it that the church rereads the words of christ continually And I thought immediately, first of all, of the Mass. You know, we have this cycle of readings that we circle through again and again and again. We reread the words of Christ as the Church uh, throughout the world, time and again. And then we also have the, the beautiful encouragement that the Church gives us to pray with the scriptures through the practice of Lectio Divina, this invitation to meditate on the words of Christ in the sacred scriptures. And then uh, the humanism of John Paul comes out here. He says, He, the Son of the living God, Christ, speaks to people also as man. It is his life that speaks, his humanity, his fidelity to the truth, his all-embracing love. So this focus on, on, on the incarnation, right, the, the concreteness of Jesus Christ His humanity, his life, speaks. This is what we learn about when we read the words of sacred scripture, especially the Gospels. And at the heart of it all, he highlights the Paschal mystery, which is the mystery of our Lord's death and resurrection. And he says, his death on the cross speaks. The church never ceases to relive his death on the cross and his resurrection, which constitute the content of the church's daily life. I think it's a reference to the Mass, ultimately. The Church relives the death and resurrection of Christ. That is the content of the Church's daily life because that is what is made present in every holy sacrifice of the Mass, that one sacrifice of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. And so this is why um, Vatican II spoke of the Mass as the source and summit of the whole of, of the Christian life because there is where the Church relives uh, that central mystery of our faith so he says the church stays within the sphere of the mystery of the redemption which has become the fundamental principle of her life and mission so we get a sense here by of what jp2 means when he speaks about redemption the mystery of redemption really is the person of christ and at its heart the paschal mystery the cross and resurrection and so if we want to ask just what is the takeaway for us from these words of of the Holy Father, it is that each of us then is called to keep Christ at the center, right? If the church as a whole has to remain rooted in the person of Christ, then each individual believer has to keep Christ at the center of our life. And we do that, first of all, through our participation in Holy Mass, through our prayerful reading of Scripture, and I would add through the praying of the rosary, which um, John Paul once called his favorite prayer, because what do we do in the rosary? We relive, we ponder, we meditate upon all of the mysteries of, of our Lord's life, and we come back to them again and again, because again, we can't exhaust the mystery. There's always going to be more for us to ponder and, and marvel at in these mysteries of, of our Lord's life.
0: I love how he says, our response must be clear, our spirit is set in one direction the only direction. And that's very clearly an admonishment uh, of all those times we would be tempted to say, well, you just go your way. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, that's just your opinion, man. You do what you're going to do, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And, and God willing, we'll both meet on the other side. Uh, you But you're going to go that route, and I'm going to go this route. And it's like, well, no, not really. There's one direction. And if you're not in that direction, you're going the opposite way, whether that's. Uh, north, south, or west, if you're not heading east to the the sunrise, as they say, you're going in the wrong direction. And I I love that John Paul's not afraid to say that, to say, listen, this is not one path among many. It's the path, Mm -hmm. and and that's it. So uh, I look forward to seeing how he's going to take us on that path over these next several weeks here. It's going to be good, an adventure always. All right. Well, let's uh, let's put a little bit more in the spiritual gas tank as we get ready for the journey. And uh, <laughs> Father Skillman will be back at the helm next week to walk us a little bit further into the mystery of redemption. In the meantime, we're going to take a break. Here is Mandisa with Toby Mack and a song that always gets me ready to go in the morning. It's called Good Morning, and we'll have the weather and the daily dose of encouragement for you after our break.
3: A most commendable indulgenced prayer to the sacred heart of Jesus. Most sacred heart of Jesus, shower copiously thy blessings on thy holy church, on the supreme pontiff, and on all the clergy. Grant perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten infidels, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, assist the dying, liberate the souls of purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, most kind. Bless us now and in death's agony. From a sudden and unprovided death, deliver us, O Lord.
0: Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R Catholic dot O-R-G. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. It's Thursday. It's time for another daily dose of encouragement with Patty Schneier. This week we are talking about love for our priests. Patty, I'm excited to see what you have in store for us today.
5: Well, we are unpacking just again some suggestions about how to show our priests how much we love them. And you can do that in so many little ways. But today I want to encourage our listeners to find out when your priest's birthday is, find out when their birthday is and their anniversary of their ordination. And I like to send cards to our priests on their birthday or their anniversary, or if you don't send a card, send a text or an email. Father, happy anniversary. Thank you so much for the gift of your priesthood or happy birthday. It's so important that we do those human things on a human level for our priests. Again, letting them know you are a part of our family. We really want our priests to feel a part of the parishioners' families. So, just as you would for any other family member, acknowledge their birthday, their anniversary. And another thing I like to do, this, a a very specific date, August 4th, I'm going to throw out that date. August 4th is the Feast of St. John Vianney. He is the patron of parish priests. And on that day, every year, August 4th, I must text 25, 30, 35 priests and just say, Happy Feast of St. John Vianney. Thank you so much for being a parish priest. Thank you for your vocation. Thank you for your yes. You cannot believe how many priests are touched by just that simple gesture. Or as we've just celebrated, Clergy Appreciation Sunday. It's never too late to send a card, to send a text, an email, and say, thank you so much, Father, for being our parish priest.
0: So stop what you're doing right now, unless you're driving, then keep doing that. But stop what you're doing and put it in your phone. August 4th, Feast of St. John Vianney. Thank your parish priest. Put Father's birthday in your phone. Put Father's ordination anniversary in your phone with a little reminder to send him a card or a note or offer special prayers for him. Patty, that is a great encouragement for us today. How I want to be in that number when the saints go marching, and that is a motto I have every day, and that's why I want to strive to grow in holiness every day. And, you know, here's the thing. If I go by myself, I won't be in the number. It would just be me, although as Father Wade told us, there's already a number there. I want you to be in that number, too. I want you to grow in holiness. I want us both to be living our life, living today as if it's our last, ready to go ready to go. So not holding off on making confession when we need to, not holding off on going to the sacraments as often as we can, not holding off on praying that rosary, not holding off on praying that chaplet, not holding off on spending that time in conversation with our Lord, letting his heart speak to our hearts each and every day, growing in relationship and love for him. Let's go be in that number together. You and I, both. We do want to let you know that tomorrow morning we have a, a slight programming change. We're very excited that we're going to be broadcasting Roadmap to Heaven live tomorrow morning on location from a youth rally called The Summit. It's being held here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. It's a vocations rally for middle school students. The doors for that uh, open at 8, so we're going to go on the air at 8 in uh Pre-registration was required, so this is not an invitation to come. I, I just want to be really clear about that. But it is an invitation for us all to pray for the young people that will be gathered tomorrow. There's going to be about 1,300 of them we learned on the show yesterday to hear about vocations, to... Maybe have those seeds planted of what God's calling them to in their life to foster that in prayer. So join us at eight o'clock. Patty Schneier is going to be our guest co host. I always love getting together with Patty, and Patty and I love talking about vocations. We're going to talk about that on the show tomorrow. It's going to be a fantastic day. So tune in at seven. We've got some wonderful programming lined up. What we normally have in the eight o'clock hour on Friday mornings, we're going to have in the seven o'clock hour. Just do a little switch there. We'll be on at eight, and I am looking forward to it. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. You know, as we uh, go into the final moments here, the music starts, I read a, a great little journal article, a little reflection from a priest. He was talking about an experience going to uh, pray with a friend who was entering the cloistered convent. And at the ritual before she entered the cloister, the applicants laid down prostrate in the sanctuary and were covered with a black pall, similar to the cloth that's placed over a casket at the funeral, symbolizing their willingness to die to the world to enter the cloister. And he said, you know, in the eyes of the world, that's a waste of a life. You're going to go do what? But with the eyes of faith, we see even that, that symbolism of resurrection, that dying to self, rising to a new life in a holy vocation. It's just a beautiful little reflection for us in this National Vocations Awareness Week. I wanted to share it with you. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Don't forget to pray your rosary today.